Hello. How are you? Freaking fantastic. I'm on vacation. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. A vacation is always nice. Permanent vacations are kind of scary, but it's nice to be on vacation once in a while. What is a permanent vacation? That's the song from Aerosmith. I need to have myself a permanent vacation. Then an album called Permanent Vacation. I think a permanent vacation can be the retirement or when you clock out forever. Yeah, I was going to guess death. That sounds pretty permanent. I believe this is our 14th episode. Hey, hey, it's Vin. Where you been? I missed you. I'm glad you made it back. So don't go anywhere. It's about to get real in here. So just lay back and chill. Get naked even and cleanse your mind, body, and soul for the next 17 minutes. Here are your hosts, LaFool and A. Well, I draw a momentary vacation from work. Right. I wanted to talk about a subject that I sometimes love to talk about, sometimes you don't. Politics or Joe Rogan? <laughs> Joe Rogan, J-R-E. Bingo. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do it. He just did a recent podcast. I think it was number 1540 with a guy named Frank Van Hippel. Yeah, I'm looking it up. I didn't watch that one. Yes. Number 1540 with Frank Von Hippel, H-I-P-P-E-L. Have you seen the opening of it? You haven't probably seen the whole thing, but the beginning is the most interesting part of all. Tell me why. First, Joe complains. When doesn't Joe complain? Good question. But he's complaining about all the feedback he's getting because he has different forms. They range from 100,000 people to something like 30,000. So some probably even larger. And everybody's complaining about his new Fleshlight Studio. They're coming up with all sorts of names. The Fleshlight Studio, the Belly of the Beast, the dick sock or the dick stocking. I say it looks like or instead of a flower room. It does actually. Yeah. High pressure sodium lights in there. Yeah. That's what Jamie's get nice and beet red, like a bud ripening out. It's probably growing there when they're not working. Just put the plants in there and let them rock out and put it back in the dark when they're courting. He's going down the list. He's looking at it. He's like, oh, poor me. We banged this together in just a couple of months. Joe, come on. That's your excuse. But, you know, I love Joe anyways. That wasn't the part I wanted you to watch. For anybody who wants to see it, at about three minutes into it, this scientist, I guess you can call the guy a scientist. I, I don't know what his exact definition is. Yes, you, you can certainly call him a scientist. He's a professor at Northern Arizona University. He's the author of The Chemical Age, How Chemists Fought Famine and Disease, Killed Millions, and Changed Our Relationship with the Earth. He's also the host of the Science History Podcast, and he's an expert in ecotoxicology, the study of how pollutants impact human health and the environment at large, all of which are critically important right now as we're staring down the fleshlight of climate change. This guy is really smart. Yes. The thing with really smart people is their sense of humor. Sometimes this can be dark. Sometimes it's way over your head. I just have this vision, like in my mind's eye, of how this went down. And his friends were like, hey, you're going on Joe Rogan podcast? Because, yeah, I'm going to go, you're taking him something? What do you mean? You should take him a gift. And they all start snickering. And they hand him a, a, a thing and say, take him this started laughing. They laughed so hard because they could see the moment that we're talking about right now when people are like, did he just give him this gift? Who is this they? I don't think they helped him pick his gift. I think he very specifically picked that gift as a over-the-top funny joke. Yes, I just made sure to watch it. When I say they, either all the little guys in his head that all work together to make a thought and pass a thought down to him, or he may say, hey, I'm, I'm going to go on this guy, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, really? 
And he goes, you, you should take it something. You should, you should prank him. You should give him the ultimate prank. And so I think he wanted to entertain and give Joe a prank that Joe wouldn't see coming. He gives him the gift. Look at his face. The guy just has this smirk on his face. And that's because inside, the guys in his head are laughing so hard he can barely control himself because he knows the punchline. Joe is handed this, what would you call it, a tube? It's a long bone. So he has Joe reach in, pulls out this bone. And if you watch it real carefully, Joe is like stroking it gently, rubbing his hands up and down it. The mushroom ape inside Joe's brain is like, smell it, smell it. But Joe's trying to resist smelling it. There's probably a part where he actually did smell it. But afterwards, Jamie's like, we got to cut this out. This, this will be just too much for people to bear. So he's following it. He's stroking it. He's looking at it. I think he even makes a smart little comment about what it might be. Guessing, and he's guessing, he gets it all wrong. And then at the end, the punchline is, it's a part of a, a walrus, Joe. Oh, walrus? I didn't guess that. I thought it was an elk, a deer, a bison. Go, what part of it? <laughs> it's the penis, Joe. And he doesn't say it exactly like that, but the way that he says it, for me, is simply hilarious because he's trying to maintain the straight face. And you have to watch a couple of times to realize Joe really didn't get that at first. Then it dawned on him that I'm holding, I'm holding a walrus dick. And Jimmy pulls up a big one, a much bigger one. Oh, yeah. The one that was super fossilized from much longer ago. It was huge. Looks like a, a woolly mammoth tusk. Yeah, it's crazy. So I just thought that that was hilarious how the sense of humor that scientists have. Yeah, that's That to me was the ultimate prank. And he did it with a straight face. Because I'm, I'm sure he got all of his laughs out beforehand because that moment is something that people are going to talk about forever. Some didn't catch it, but every scientist will. For years to come, they'll talk about, hey, did you ever see that one episode when Joe Rogan was stroking off that walrus? <laughs> if that walrus only knew that years later his chubby would get stroked like that, he would have just been happy right there. Oh, stroke it, human, stroke it. I am the walrus. I'm pleased that you enjoyed the scientist and his joke. So that's what I was bringing to you today. A dick joke. You were bringing to me a dick joke. <laughs> that's an excellent dick joke. You may need work on your timing a little bit if you're going to start doing stand-up. Uh, I don't need to do stand-up. I can just smoke Joe Rogan every once in a while and just enjoy myself. I totally get a kick out of it. I remember listening to some previous episodes, and in one of the episodes, I gave you some options. I was like, uh, three things. A was ganja. B was JRE. C was stuff A likes. We ended up talking about Joe Rogan, but I think now what you're doing is even complicating the issue of choice more because obviously you want to bring it back up so that you can talk about either A or C. I'm going to guess it's going to be A, which was cannabis. So did you really give me an option or did you just lay out three things you intended to talk about? And if we didn't talk about it in that episode, we'd catch it in the next episode. In which case, was it a choice at all? Actually, what I was trying to do was get to C. Stuff that A likes to talk about? This is the reason why. <laughs> Initially, the very first podcast was you coming in saying, hey, check this out. I found this of interest. That's right. We talked about the Chauncey de Vega and <laughs> whether or not Trump was a malignant narcissist. Why did I always think that there might be stuff A wanted to talk about? And the one time you're you like, I want to talk about helicopters. Mm -hmm. I love that episode. There are things you like to talk about. So I'm not losing my marbles, even though I don't have any more marbles. So that's a whole different story. I'm definitely remember that 
you like to talk about certain things. And so that should always be the first option. So first I should say, well, what do you want to talk about? Then you can say, well, let's figure out what you want to talk about. And then we can start going down the list. We could talk about religious stuff. We could talk about current events. Is current events really the same as politics? No, it shouldn't be. It tends to be right now. Also, talking about current events is a little difficult because we don't edit this in a day or two. So I prefer to stay away from current events because by the time they get broadcast on our podcast, they're no longer current. So those are the options out there. I mean, and then again, we can just write stuff down and then just begin to talk about it as well. I can give you a list in advance if you'd like to. How about this? We should ask our audience and let us know things that you want to talk about. And I'll see if I have any knowledge on it whatsoever. And then we can go from there. Would that work, you think? Sure. That was a brainful, just even getting to that little point right there. Is there anything in particular that we should talk about for the next podcast that you're thinking about off the top of your head that's coming up? No, I'm a Gemini. We never talk off the top of our head. We take into consideration a lot of things and then we come up with an idea. So much to your frustration, anytime you want me to pop off with something, it's never going to be there because that's not how my brain works. Okay. Well, how does your brain work? Very slowly. Hmm. So then maybe we should talk about the speed of light. Excellent. Do you think that the speed of light is an absolute or do you think that science is wrong? See, this is the problem. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm inclined to think that the speed of light will blow our mind at some point. I don't think that we have the scientific capability yet to disprove Einstein. But I think it's possible that the speed of light is not a an absolute constant, which would be really interesting because the speed of light is used as the constant to actually measure time scientifically. So if the speed of light is no longer a constant, I don't know what's going to happen to all those theorems and algorithms. And How much does the speed of light change in a black hole? See, again, I don't know. Nobody's been inside of a black hole. It's all, it's all theoretical. Right? You can't actually measure the speed of light in a black hole because you can't go into a black hole unless we are all presently in a black hole, living a black hole experience, in which case we have measured the speed of light in a black hole. And perhaps when you're not in a black hole, the speed of light is no longer a constant. Mm, that's interesting. Do you think that we're do you think that's a possibility that we could all be in a black hole right now? I don't see why not. I think it's difficult to prove whether or not we are. I think that's the that's the issue. Do you think it's possible that we can all be in uh, the a matrix or like in a simulation? You're talking about, for instance, Elon Musk likes to say that we're all in the middle of a game, game theory. I know a lot of people who think like that. Scientists certainly constantly explore that. I guess it's most easy to explain if you reference the matrix because those movies lay that concept out pretty well. Not to say that the Matrix films are the only representation of what it would be like to be living in a game, gamified sort of zero and one world, but it's certainly most accessible by the general public. So it's a nice example. And yes, I think we certainly could be living in some kind of theoretical universe that we're actually not in control of, that either a game algorithm is in control of or game players are in control of and whether or not those game players are sentient beings or AI. I don't know. And actually, can you consider AI beings as sentient? I thought there were three kind of sentient beings. I thought there was 
Matt, I don't know where I heard this before, but angels are a sentient being. They're created out of light. A gen is a sentient being. They're created out of smokeless fire. And humans, we don't know the origins of our souls. If we are sentient beings, then we're created out of clay. So then you're saying that the fourth sentient being, which would be artificial intelligence. You've got wind, fire, earth. So AI technically could be metal. Mm -hmm. True. Yes. The only thing we're missing is water. Do you know of any water sentient beings? All I know of is mermaids, the mermaid men, the mermaids. I don't I don't know if they would be considered sentient beings or not. Well, sure. In mythology and folklore, they certainly seem to have a sentience, the ability to self-direct, self-will, communicate. So then that would be water. Well, no, not necessarily, because when you talk about the gens, they appear as a... Wait, are the gens the fire or the whirlwind? Gens are smokeless fire. Right, so they're smokeless. Okay, so that's smokeless fire. Angels are light. Angels are the light. Okay. It seems to me that if you're going to move into the elementals, I would consider a mermaid more along the line of everything else that appears here on Earth in the three-dimensional, which would be humans, animals, plants. I was thinking about something different for water. Hmm, interesting. So there could be a sentient being in water or of mist. Mist. I think it would be mist. Or it could be ice, but mist is nice. And they're probably all around us watching us every day. They could probably live on other planets. They could live on Venus. Why Venus? Venus is made of gas. Now I have to go look it up because I should know that and it's not in my head. That's why I would think they could be from Venus. And we're, we are so attached to Venus as a species, or so it seems. How do you mean? I feel like we're fairly well attached to most of the planets, Mars, Mercury. We experience Mercury retrograde. A lot of people like to talk about that. Oh, Mercury's in retrograde. I'm having trouble with this, that, and the other thing. We're certainly attached to the moon in a lot of ways. I'm not sure why Venus would stand out more than Pluto or Jupiter or Saturn. The term Lucifer means the morning star. That's Venus. Ishtar the worship of Ishtar is found in the Torah, the Bible, uh, and in other ancient documents as a form of worship. But I still don't think that it means we're more connected to that planet than another. I mean, I don't recall the last time I had a conversation with someone about Ishtar or Lucifer. I certainly recall the last time I had a conversation with someone about the moon and about how it's affected you know, like the full moon and the emergency rooms have more emergencies in them, that kind of thing. Well, we run in different circles. My people talk about Ishtar a lot and Lucifer. The morning star is the most important thing. Like if if you're into growing at all, when you figure out before the sunrise, what they call before morning nautical twilight, the last star that you see in the sky is Venus. It's the most visible one. It slowly pulls up the sun. I think we're running low on time. I think it's going to be going down soon. This was a good little conversation. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for enlightening me on a few things. Thanks for taking a moment to talk about the most important thing. Rogan stroking off that walrus. That's so nasty. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Hey, this is Alvin again. Drink your Ovaltine and stay tuned for further instructions.
If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out. Have a blessed Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom.